This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we are up against, together we can beat them. It's Ken Harbaugh with Against All Enemies on the Midas Touch Network. Every time I think the former president can't sink any lower, he does. In an extraordinary new article in The Atlantic, Jeffrey Goldberg covers just how close we came to losing our democracy during Trump's first term and how the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, held the line. One of the stories that jumps out to me is about a comment Trump made within earshot of several people regarding a wounded veteran. Here's Nicole Wallace with a breakdown of what happened. From that piece, quote, at his welcome ceremony at Joint Base Meyer-Henderson Hall across the Potomac River from the Capitol, Milley gained an early and disturbing insight into Trump's attitude towards soldiers. Milley had chosen a severely wounded Army captain, Luis Avila, to sing God Bless America. Avila, who had completed five combat tours, had lost a leg in an IED attack in Afghanistan, and had suffered two heart attacks, two strokes, and brain damage as a result of his injuries. To Milley and to four-star generals across the Army, Avila and his wife Claudia represented the heroism, the sacrifice, and the dignity of wounded soldiers. After Avila's performance, Trump walked over to congratulate him, but then said to Milley with an earshot of several witnesses, quote, why do you bring people like that here? Nobody wants to see that, the wounded. Never let Avila appear in public again, Trump told Milley. And that was day one on the job for Milley. After I left the Navy, I spent the next decade advocating for veterans. I went back to school, but I felt restless and honestly guilty with so many of my buddies still in Iraq and Afghanistan. I know a lot of the vets watching can relate. At one point, a few months into law school, I found myself driving down to Bethesda Naval Hospital because I wanted to meet with the Marines recovering there. This was at the height of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I had this idea that I was going to this military hospital to provide the patients there with some company and some comfort. It didn't take long sitting with those Marines to realize that just the opposite was happening. They were inspiring me. I'll never forget what one young Marine said as he was being wheeled into his 10th reconstructive surgery. He looked me in the eye and said, sir, I lost my legs, that's it. I didn't lose my desire to serve or my pride in being an American. Now I know that's not the story of every veteran, but it's what I think about when I see someone like Captain Avila singing the national anthem for his president. I want you to watch this clip. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Afterwards, President Trump walked over to Avila and thanked him. But then, according to Milley, and within earshot of other witnesses, the president told General Milley to never let Avila appear in public again. 
The Trump cultists, who rush to his defense every time, will point out that we don't have those comments on tape. But who should we believe? General Milley, who has served his country bravely and honorably for decades, or a known pathological liar? There is extensive reporting on Trump's disdain for those who serve, including credible sources saying he called Americans who died fighting for their country suckers and losers. And let's not forget Trump's comments about John McCain, a certified war hero with the medals to prove it. In this case, we have the actual receipts. And I said, somebody should run against John McCain, who has been, you know, in my opinion, not so hot. And I supported him. I supported him for president. I raised a million dollars for him. It's a lot of money. I supported him. He lost. He let us down. But, you know, he lost. So I never liked him as much after that, because I don't like losers. But, but Frank, He's Frank, let me get hero. to it. He's he hit me. Hero. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. And a half years He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you He's agree with that? In my world, I don't know anyone who looks at a POW and thinks, loser, or at a wounded vet and thinks, embarrassing. Maybe that's because I spend a lot of time around vets. But I suspect the vast majority of those watching this show feel the same. I suspect the vast majority of Americans feel the same. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. It makes me wonder about the psychological state of the former president. What kind of person meets a wounded soldier and says, no one wants to see that? It's classic bullying behavior. And anyone who stood up to a bully knows that deep down, they're all just cowards operating from a place of deep insecurity. I asked a clinical psychologist about this during an interview on Burn the Boats. Mary Trump, the former president's niece, brings a unique perspective on just how damaged the former president is. In the time we have left, I, I, I want another <laughs> clinical psychologist's insight. Growing up, I, I was fortunate enough to come around to the realization that the bullies I encountered were actually pitiful characters. They were all invariably from broken homes, and they were bullying as a way of of compensating for something. You have described your uncle as a scared little five-year-old. And that, that story of the mashed potatoes, maybe I can link to it in the show. I'm not going to ask you to, to rehash it again, but you know, it just captures every little bully I, I ever knew. Is there ever a part of you that feels sorry for your uncle? No. Um, not at all. Although, what I will say, because, uh, uh, listen, I, I know plenty of people who've had much worse childhoods without the benefit of the enormous advantages that he experienced, yeah. um, who turned out to be decent, kind, empathetic, productive human beings. So uh, there's no excuse for what he does and who he's chosen to become. Um, but you know, if you read my book, I would hope the first book, um, which is mostly about my family, uh, 
I would hope that people come away having a great deal of compassion for the five children, including Donald and my father, who were raised by uh, a sociopath, my grandfather, on the one hand, and a deeply personality-disordered mother on the other hand. Uh, so you can feel, listen, uh, you know, bullies, serial killers, all, all sorts of people, horrible people, had terrible childhoods, and we should have compassion for that, uh, the children and what they experienced. But that's that's a very separate issue. Uh, Donald Trump, as he currently exists, deserves none of our compassion. Um, and all of our uh, enmity, and we should do everything in our power to make sure that he never, ever ascends to any office in which he has power over the lives of the American people. Yeah, I am with you 100% on that. My sympathy for bullies stops when they get the nuclear codes, and probably <laughs> a lot before that. That's Wow, that was stark, but true. <laughs> I think the great irony here is that the former president, who cannot stand the sight of actual heroes, is himself a bully and a coward.